Hello, I'm Sarah Connolly and I have an annual tradition which I'm so excited that I'm able to have, which is to interview the fantastic Helen Wyman. Helen was the first writer who ever spoke to me on social media and let me interview her. And she's an amazing cyclocross rider. You should be watching her video. She's fantastic. Helen, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm cold and I'm wet. You're the queen of mud, right? Are you happy that it's a terrible terrible autumn well it's only just become a terrible autumn so I I wasn't happy for the first six weeks but for the last two I've been very happy yes (laughs) it's been been better than the last couple of years with you know dry cyclocross it shouldn't be allowed no I mean it was still dry Koppenberg was still dry yeah and that's November 1st so it wasn't really until just after that that it started to get a bit muddier and because the World Cups were so early this year yeah we had had a good six or seven weeks of dusty dry fast super fast and then a bit faster crosses so yeah it's good that the mud's here and it's good that it's really gross in northern europe belgium isn't fully muddy yet but it's getting there they can have all the rain that i've got in england Koppenberg, let's start there you said it was dry and obviously you prefer mud but that didn't stop you being fantastic did it i didn't get to race last year because of the collarbone and they changed the course so this year I got to race it and it was rock hard and I absolutely loved it. And Katie Compton was better than me on the descent, but I was so much stronger on the uphill and I knew I could come past her every time on the cobbles. To get to the top of the cobbles, you start at the very bottom of the hill. You go past the VIP tent and it doesn't really look like it's a hill on television where you go, you cross the road and you go up, Yeah. but it's a hill. And then you settle down a little bit and then you go up again and that's a hill. And then you drop down a tiny little bit turn right turn right and you're on the cobbles and that's a hill so it was actually like a three-tiered hill and I always caught her at the second point so I knew that if I could get into the cobbles first then she didn't really have much left to to sprint up the hill so yeah during the race I was just trying to hold on and hold on and hold on and come back and come back and hit the cobbles I managed to hit the cobbles first on the last lap and held the gap so it was good and won your third title third cobble third Koppenberg fourth Fourth! Oh my god! Fourth, yeah. So Yelene Bishkuren has won two. Daphne's won two. Maybe Son of Passen won two. And so nobody's won more than three. And then this year, Yelene got really close to us on one of the laps. And I was just thinking, God, don't let her catch me. She can't equal my winning. <laughs> <laughs> and so I digged a bit harder. And uh, yeah, so now I have four and she only has two. So it's going to take her at least two years to get catch up. So. <laughs> so those kind of records make a difference to you? Koppenberg, absolutely, because Koppenberg is the most famous cross in Belgium. Everybody's like, yes, Fendi's, yeah, you won two world titles, but you won Koppenberg nine times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of one of the biggest races, and so it's one of the most important to win, and and everybody knows it, and everybody sees it, and then, but to to win it four times, it's like, yeah, she's really strong. It's like, (laughs) that's cool. The fact that it's a climb that's known outside cyclists, like I love Zonoven, for example, with the gigantic sandpit. But that's not something that people are going to understand unless they know the sport, right? But when you say Koppenberg, yeah. that, that means something. Yeah. And this year we actually sprinted the entire Koppenberg from the bottom to the top on the start. Oh my so God. you start at the very bottom on the road just before the cobbles. You hit yeah. the cobbles, you do the entire Koppenberg, and then you turn right into the field. <laughs> 
it's like a minute of racing uphill like to get to the first off road it was pretty wild it's cool though and how many laps do you do of that the actual lap itself comes into the cobbles about a third of the way up yeah and then you do like nearly the other two thirds not quite two thirds but nearly two thirds and then you turn right into the field so it was only the first lap you did the whole thing right but but i'm sorry but even just the cobbles oh right that's easy right <laughs> yeah. that's a walking well you, you're on cross top so it's a bit easier but you can also ride on the little bits on the edge if, if it was wet it would be slippy but because it wasn't wet it was bone dry it was just like yeah. hard riding and slogging and just go on with it basically but i am so excited to see you back winning and being on world cup podiums because especially when it's not your you know ideal knee deep in mud right that's the helen wyman star and especially after last year last year was such a shit yeah it was a pretty bad year with collarbone break and all that wasn't fun but it feels like you're not just back you have come back stronger well i think i was strong last year the only problem was that i didn't get an opportunity to use that to show it yeah because it was so early on that i broke my collarbone Mm -hmm. so i didn't even get to ride cobbenberg and so I've had two summers down in the south of France now. So, And the training down here is so hard. It's amazing. And it's really good training and you have everything you need. The only thing I lack is speed work, basically. I have a motorbike and I can go motor pacing. But in Belgium, you can do a lot easier speed work. Mm-hmm. But everything else I have that you don't have in Belgium. So, you know, you want to do 45-minute constant effort. I've got a hill that's 45 minutes of constant effort. If you want to do three-minute efforts, I've got hundreds of them. If you want to do 30-second efforts, I, I could take you to at least 10 different places you can do them. And so if you want to do a five-hour ride, you just bang out a five-hour ride and you don't notice. Whereas in Belgium, quite a lot, when you live there the whole time and you're doing endurance rides, it's like, okay, wow, well, I've gone a long way now. I look down, it's like an hour and 15. You're like, okay, not bad, hour and 15. And then you look down about and you're like, oh, it's got to be like two hours now and it's an hour and 16. And you're like, wow, this is never going to end. Whereas for me, it's an hour to the top of the first hill. So it's much better training. And so I've had a really two really solid summers of training. And I think that's helped me get stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not faster, but definitely stronger. We went to America, came back, went, stayed in Belgium for a month and did loads of speed work in Belgium. And that's kind of coming into the legs now the last few weekends so yeah we still got the best helen courses to come right uh no hide so january is a really good month for me and then valkenberg worlds i think i can do really well in Narman and zolder zolder should on paper suit me but in the past historically it never has but i mean one year i was there at the end of the first lap with voss and someone else and then I crashed and landed on my face, my face straight in the mud. Um, <laughs> I think I probably got sixth or seventh that year. But I haven't really ever had like a really amazing stellar result there. But Narman I have. And Nome I've had a podium. And Hugerheide I've had podiums. So definitely the World Cup's coming up. Can really, if I can maintain what I have and build on that, mm-hmm. then I think I could get some good results. Oh, oh it's exciting. I mean, you're in an interesting position because you're sponsored by Kona, the bike, American bike company, and that comes to the end in January, right? Yeah, the 31st of December is the end of my contract with Kona. So I guess at the moment, you know, to all intents and purposes, you're 100% a Kona rider, right? Now? Yeah? Until then, yeah. Yeah. So six more weeks. <laughs> so that's an interesting thing. I find the cycling season really weird anyway, right? The On the road, the 2018 yeah. season has started already with Colombia and Tour Huangxi. 
and with cyclocross you've started the season already and you end up like in a in a kind of weird limbo and so you've got some yeah. riders who are already yeah they're wearing the jersey of whatever but they're you know uh but they're they're riding for the team already yeah so most cyclocross contracts would run september to march or september to september or march to march mm-hmm. but because Kona were a UCI mountain bike team at the time when I joined then their contracts run from January until December basically mm-hmm. because that fits with the mountain bike they were a UCI mountain bike team um, and so their contracts that had to go into the UCI for that and they needed a woman at the time so yeah I was their woman even though I didn't do many mountain bike races but um, <laughs> but because of that that's why the contract was yeah, January to December but now we have UCI cyclocross teams. The contracts for the riders are September to March, which is much better yeah. because it's much more consistent with the season and it doesn't mean you have to change sponsors mid-season. And yeah. It was tricky because of the timings of when I was told that I wouldn't have my contract renewed was outside of the time when you talk to teams, basically. Right, so, right. So, yeah, which has made it really tricky. Yeah. Your season's also changed because for the last four years you've been on the uci women's cyclocross commission haven't you i've been on the uci cyclocross commission yeah for the last four years every four years when they change president the president chooses a new commission and right so it's changed there's four new people on the commission and four have left and yeah i mean i i had a good time on doing what i did there um i really enjoyed what i did i think i made huge progress i got to a point where I don't know how much more progress I could have made personally because I tried every way possible to get the things I really wanted done done and they weren't all done. So, you know, at that point it's like, well, they're not listening to me. They're not doing these changes. So maybe a fresh set of eyes comes in and if they say the same things, then maybe they'll think, okay, maybe it's not just Helen. Helen (laughs) being annoying in the the corner. Yeah. (laughs) They did used to say that I had an answer for everything. It's like, well, yeah, it's not difficult. <laughs> but I think that's the thing that's frustrating about cycling, isn't it, sometimes, is that, you know, yeah, we have an answer for everything because it's the right thing. Yeah, it's, it's not tricky. You know, you don't have an answer for everything because you're just a smart ass, although you are a smart ass, but it's because it's the thing to do, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was silly stuff. Like, we talked about um, feeding in cross races, and I was like, well, why don't you just do it at the finish line? And they said, oh, but then you need extra people. And I was like, well, the Swanews are there. And they're like, oh, you've got an answer for everything. Well, no, the Swanews are there. They've got to be there at the start. They've got to be there at the finish. Well, why don't you let them have it in the middle of the race? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, oh, but it, it looks ugly on TV. It's like, well, make them stand where the photographers stand. And then yeah. you can only really see the finish at the finish anyway. And they're not going to be there anyway. And it's like, oh, you've got an answer for everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it does make no sense. answers cool. <laughs> but it does make sense to be at the start, doesn't it? To, to, to be like on the other side of the road from the photographers, right? Simple. Oh, we were talking about feeding. We were talking about how, where you could hand a bottle up to a rider on a race. Yeah. When it gets really hot because uh, they've banned all feeding. You, just, you can take it on your bike. You used to be able to take one from the mechanic in the pit. Yeah. But it was carnage. It was absolute carnage. Yeah. It never worked. So I said, well, why don't you just allow feeding after the finish line? You've got the lines laid out for the photographers anyway. You only allow feeding after the first lap and not before the last lap. So just line up there. And then they were like, it will look ugly on TV. And I was like, well, no, it won't because nobody looks at the finish line really that much in the race. It's only at the finish that it counts. And they're like, well, well, there'll be no one to feed them. It's like, well, the same people that took your jersey can stand there and then give you your jersey at the finish anyway. And they were like, oh, <laughs> okay, cool. 
but it's not one of those things that actually is that hard no yeah it's not difficult and it but it was just like i'm not wasting time and effort on this one i've got bigger things i need to waste my time and effort on including equal prize money so guys let's chat about that (laughs) (laughs) but i think what's been what's been interesting is is i loved your approach i mean i always love the fact that you got koppenberg cross equal prize money equal yeah provided by an american bike company 2020 yeah which was so genius you you literally well you've got someone else to put their money where your mouth is but kind of was a bit two fingers up and i think about especially the less sexy things like allowing women to park in the same place as the men park yeah and and that's not sexy but oh my god it makes a difference in terms of media coverage and also in terms of or having the women's race directly before the men's race. I mean, how much women's cyclocross racing can we see now, Helen? It's amazing. Well, the, having the the women's race immediately before the men's race was the one rule change that was my first thing that I got done. As soon as we we got there, it was like, this has to be done. And everybody agreed it was free. It's not like it cost anything to change a rule. So everybody agreed and said, yeah, okay, we'll do that. And I knew at that point that you change that rule and you make every single women's race immediately before the men that within two or three years the sport will be completely changed and because of that rule the super prestige managed to blag it for another year but after two years the super prestige were then equal with what was the b post at the time and so the b post were like well we need to do something more so they increased prize money and then the super prestige put on a prize overall fund for the women so then the b post like right we need something else and (laughs) They got live television coverage. And so purely because we changed a rule four years ago, we now have 24 to 28 bike races live on Belgium television in the winter for women. Live. That's 50 minutes of coverage we never got before. 24 times. So, yeah, we'll say like 22 hours or something. I can't bother to do the maths. And it's all because you made one simple rule change four years ago yeah and i knew it but at the time when you tell people that they're like nah whatever it's not going to go that way and then it does and we get 500 to 600 thousand views viewing of our races and so the men's races get about a hundred thousand more viewers than us mm-hmm. and when they have the um, tv viewing figures for the day you'll quite often find that the men's race is like sixth watched program in northern belgium so in flandern and the women's is like eighth <laughs> so two cross races are in the top 10 watched television programs in that country on the day could you imagine that happening in england wow. it's just amazing loads of people watch the women's race because it's on around the lunchtime so mm-hmm. they've just finished lunch and they're just like not gonna go out anywhere then they record the men's and go out and do what they have to do in the afternoon then watch it when they get back but loads of people are like oh it's amazing it's such cool racing and it, at the minute the way that the men's racing is racing the women's is actually less decided yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah. you kind of have to watch the whole race because yeah. you're not quite going to know what's going to happen yeah so it's really cool and, and so many people come up to me and say like oh women's racing is amazing and i watched you in that race and it was so cool and we rent a, a little apartment in belgium and the people that we rent it off, they put notes under the door when they see my results on television. And it's just like, it's cool. Everybody loves it. And the Belgians have embraced it for cyclocross. They don't care that it's a man or a woman that's racing. They've embraced it for cross. Well, it's more racing, isn't it? As you've always said, people love cyclocross. They can watch more of it. Ba-ding! Oh, and because we have television, 
we now have the Eisterbork Trophy, a separate sponsor, has brought extra money into the sport that they would not have got with the men yeah. just to support the women's side yeah. and to make women's cross to have the series for women. I've always said along, you know, fat pie, which is full, and there's no more ways to get more money in. Yeah. So use the women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. so Isabel have come in, and they've specifically made the the women's race for alongside the DBV for men. So it's kind of like I feel vindicated in yeah. <laughs> in that what I've always believed has come true, and I'm really happy it has. And even on those four years, I saw the attitudes of the people on that commission change. Some of them are already pretty forward thinking, but I've actually seen them change. And, and businessmen that have, like, um, one of the organisers for a series of races in Holland, the, and including Hoogerheide in the World Championships. And his attitude was, well, you have to have the women's race on Saturday afternoon as the prime race because that gets the biggest draw for crowds outside of the Sunday for the men. Mm-hmm. So it's like the television viewing figures are the highest Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon. The number of people you get the most Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon but if you put under 23s there and move the women to Sunday, you wouldn't get the same draw and the organisers would lose money. And it's like, wow, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how amazing to have, been to, to have done all of that. Like, you've achieved so much and you've done it in really clever ways and you've pushed. And I know that we haven't achieved everything, but God, when I first spoke to you, you know, we were talking about people would love cyclocross if they could see it. And now we can see the whole of the World Cup and the whole of the Eisenberg Trophy. Yeah. There's there's under 23 World Championships and there's going to yeah. be a Junior World Championships. And, yeah. And that makes, I mean, God, such a difference for under 23s, not to have to race Sano Kams and you and Mariana Vars yeah. and Katie Compton. And the C1 and C2 prize money is equal now. So oh. when you win Koppenberg, now it's equal by rule, not by someone else having to step in and support us yeah so you get your 1400 euros the same as the men get to win the c1 which is what it should have been i mean me and steph were looking at what it was when i first went to the commission meetings and it was like 350 euros for a c1 win like 175 for a c2 yeah and now it's completely equal to the men so it's 350 for a c2 win and 1400 so to go from 350 to 1400 yeah for the win and then obviously all the other prize money under that in four years it doesn't seem like that high achievement when you say it's four years but it well it would have taken two years to, or a year and a half to action any of my things anyway no 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 well this <laughs> so, is the thing that you said is that like the, two and a half years the wheels at the uci move exceedingly slowly like it's, yeah it's, i think it's like yeah when you look back it feels like it's been a long time coming. But when you think of where we were two years ago or four years ago to yeah. say that you'd achieve that, you know, like I think realistically you'd been happy with just a little bit of it, you know, like obviously no. you'd have fought, obviously you'd have fought and fought and fought and fought and fought, but you know, or not. Realistically, I'd have been happy with World Cup equal. Yeah. Realistically. Yeah. And the overall prize fund for the World Cup is now really close. Yeah. So it's only about €10,000 difference in total for everything. It's really close. But the individual rounds are disastrous. Right. And I would love, I, that, I would have been happy if I'd have been able to achieve parity on that 
yeah. the quality on that. And, and there are some things. I mean, one of the things that fr- is frustrating to cyclocross fans, for example, is while the rules change, it doesn't necessarily change the racing. And I think the distance of racing, for yeah. example. So, so the rules are written that cyclocross racing will be, and it's for juniors, it's 40 minutes. It doesn't say minimum, maximum. It just says 40 minutes. Right. For under-23s, it says 50 minutes. For men, it's an hour. Unless it's a World Cup, then it's a minimum of an hour. But for women, it was 40 minutes. And we were quite often getting 35-minute racing, yeah. which is ridiculous because that's back to old school what it was in, like, 2000. And, and yeah. it's just ridiculous. Women have better endurance anyway, so why should we be doing less than the junior boy from a yeah. 16-year-old boy? Yeah. So I managed to get them to agree to change the rules to a minimum of 40 minutes. But we had that for two years now, and I said last year it isn't working. I found, like, 20 examples of races where they hadn't reached 40 minutes. Yeah. And this year already there's been 10 examples of races where they haven't reached 40 minutes. And so I've ca- tried to campaign for 50 minutes for the last two or three years. I've asked for 50 minutes. And they say, oh, but about the under-23s and stuff. And and it's like, well, I understand that, but a 17-year-old girl can race a 140-kilometer road race. <laughs> and you're exactly. telling me that they can't do 50 minutes. So. Yeah. I understand that. And I understand that technically you could have a 15-year-old racing the elite women's World Cup. But does it happen in reality? No. Do they want to do it? No. But they do want to do the under-23 races. So bring in an under-23 World Cup. But in the meantime, make all World Cups 50 minutes. Yeah. And B races a minimum of 40. And then we'll see how that works out. And we raced in Zevon last weekend on the saturday and it was 51 minutes and it was such exciting racing because with a lap to go sana and compton were together and then it was me and then i managed to catch compton she got dropped by sana attacked her i managed to catch compton overtake her and beat her and it's like you still got really exciting racing in that last 10 minutes so yeah Yeah. there's nothing wrong with that and i said to christelle who runs the uci cyclocross works for them for the UCI and I said oh look nobody died (laughs) (laughs) she she just died laughing she was like yeah okay point made come along now (laughs) I mean on the road they've extended road women's road races which can include some serious fucking climbing all day climbing races to 160 kilometers and that takes four hours right yeah (laughs) like women's road racing is is yeah something like that it's, it's like you're not like you say you're not gonna and I, I really bothers me that when people pull out the what's about the sixteen year olds, what about the twenty one year olds? Because as you say, the answer is give us an under twenty three World Cup. I don't think there's a problem with anyone over the age of seventeen or eighteen, eighteen probably racing fifty minutes. I don't no, see a no, problem no, with no, that. No, 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 I grant all. you, if there is a sixteen year old in that race, then it's a bit harsh. But I don't, I don't think that eighteen year olds have a problem racing fifty minutes. It's fifty minutes. If you're back in England racing in a local league, you have to race with the vets or seniors or juniors and they all do 50 minutes to an hour anyway so it's yeah. not like yeah. these people aren't used to the lengths of the race mm. and it's a world cup it should be about the very front of the race it shouldn't be about being good to to develop the sport the sport should be developed at national level that those riders should then go into their respective under 23 categories and there should be an under 23 category at the world cup mm-hmm. so 
yeah that's just my opinion but yeah. that's that's all for other people to deal with now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you given a list to i think it's hanker kupfenagel and katarina nash isn't, isn't it who are the women who are the women riders ex-riders have you given them a list of what you want to achieve or do you think that hanker and katarina yeah. are far capable of <laughs> coming up with their own ideas hanker is on there as a organizer so right because she organizes seven mm-hmm. she's in, in charge of that so um <laughs> she's on there as an organizer and i have had um good chat with katarina and i've passed on all my contact details to or i have all the rider as many rider information as i could get gather and so i've passed all that information to her and she sent an email around to every rider to ask for their opinions on stuff and what they want to um pick forward in the sport and stuff and and i've spoken to her about you know what we've discussed in the past and what i was trying to achieve and yeah and hopefully i I think she's a smart strong-willed person i think she will take it forward in the right way and i know hanker is incredibly strong-willed and (laughs) doesn't take any shit so yeah and also as an organizer i mean it really really (laughs) helps doesn't it because they'll be able to carry on because the the argument in road is oh but the team managers and the argument in the cyclocross is oh but the race organizers and so when you've got a race organizer going that's not a problem for me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it becomes harder to use that argument so what we've got next we've got we want an under 23 world cup yeah under 23 world cup we want equal prize money at the world cups under 23 world cups what else yep. in your in your wish list 50 minutes of racing would you move up to an hour or would you be happy with it saying at 50 i think the men should come down to 50 yes i think so too i think the men should come down to 50 to meet it <laughs> yeah yeah i mean look at worlds this year that that was something like 47 minutes and oh my god that last lap was just pure electricity Sana Kant and Mariana Voss that was just oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't have missed that for the world exactly and with that if the rule is 50 minutes then it probably would have been a 47 minute race there wouldn't have been any more laps because another yeah. lap would have taken it to 56 yeah. so yeah they would have done it at 47 so yeah <laughs> bring it on it's all it all makes sense you're not riding the Super Prestige this year. No, because I asked for a series contract. So in Belgium, you have contracts for for racing. When when you're the top riders, um, they pay you to start the race. Yeah. And you hold a value. And by holding a value, other people around you hold a value, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was offered an Isenborg Trophy contract and some of the other pseudo classics. And Super Prestige said they weren't going to give me a contract for the series it would be up to individual races because they didn't feel like I committed fully to the series last year, which I had said I wasn't going to do Geaton at the beginning because I was in America and then I was going to do all the rest of their series. And then I broke my collarbone and couldn't. So I think that was a little unfair personally, but, so yeah so i did geaton because i had a contract for that you you broke your collarbone because on purpose right every every rider wants to break their collarbone just as the season starts well just to piss I off had, the super prestige yeah i had already so so last year six of the eight races counted towards the overall and a lot of the riders would take a full contract and then be in inverted commas sick mm-hmm. and not do a round whereas i honestly said well, i'm not going to be there for geaton because i'm racing in america because i have american sponsors but I will do every single other round, which I would done. And they said, you're not fully committed to the series. It's like, wow, really? <laughs> so because of that, I then said, okay, cool. And uh, I went off and found other races on, on the same days or the same weekend and 
and took contracts there instead. So I've been to Switzerland, to Aigle, to did my first EKZ cross, which was really cool, really well organized. It was super hot, actually. It was like 28 degrees or something, and I had people pouring ice cold water on me the whole way around the course. <laughs> and uh, it was fun. It was a good course. And that's a really, really good series down in Switzerland. And then I went to Spain, and I did Elorio, which we went to with the Mira last year. But this year it was a C1, so it was the same as the other races, Super Prestige in Belgium at the time. Mm-hmm. And that was super muddy, and it was really exciting. It was a great race. And you won it? I've also been to Luxembourg. So, yeah, I got the chance to do all these races that I haven't really had the chance to do because you're always stuck in Belgium doing the two series races take up all the weekends. So, so it's, it's actually worked out fine in the end, but I would have loved to have done the series. I, I really like Havre. So I'm kind of sad I missed that, but at the same time, I got to race in warm mud, not cold mud. So that's cool. <laughs> and you got to see more of the world. And actually, you know, if they're not going to give you a contract, that's the other side of it, isn't it? Like, well, you can't go. You can't say I'm just going to go for free yeah. because it devalues all of the other riders and everything you've worked for. So I know Mariana Voss hasn't gone to races because they weren't offering her the same contract as what her minimum contract is. Yeah. And so and she can't do that because it's, it's just taking the piss out of everyone else. And it's not it's not fair. So. In the end, I got a contract for Harvard two days before it, which is really, yeah, not quite convenient. Yeah. <laughs> I was already in Spain. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, but you can't say, okay, yeah, I'll take half the price that, that Isabork pays you because that's taking the piss out of Isabork. And then Isabork no. will just say, okay, well, we don't have to pay you either. It's the right thing to do. And, you know, that's how it should be. It's, it's not good. So those wins are nice. Yeah, the wins were good. Five wins, five different countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this year I've been playing the world ranking game because the world ranking is based on a rolling ranking. Yeah. And obviously I just lost, plummeted points from Christmas and January last year. Yeah. And so I started the world ranking in 30th this year and I spent the first six weeks going 30th, 24, 29, 23, 28 25 <laughs> and then finally because it's it's a rolling ranking and i still had the results from america from the previous year so it was like losing gaining losing gaining kind of thing yeah. eventually i started climbing up and then with the two second places in world cups these last 10 days i've rocketed to 11th place yeah so that's pretty exciting and now everybody in the top 11 have all of the next world cups and so I've got three opportunities where I have no points from the World Cups. I can only add to my ranking. Yeah. And who got high, I'm sure I can get a lot better then. So hopefully, and I'm only 250 points off eighth, I think. So wow. that's a couple of good World Cups and you could be back on the front row, which is I wanted to be guaranteed second row for Worlds. And I've already that. So yeah. I've got to change my goal to top eight for worlds, really. <laughs> so I'm front row. For people who aren't exactly au fait with cyclocross, cyclocross riders start gridded with the top eight in the front row, nine to 16 in the second row, and so on and so on. And this is why you'll see, for example, when Mariana Voss comes back to racing, she ends up like sitting on the back or whatever. And, and so the first races, are, and you get caught behind the crashes and you get struggling through the narrow sections and it's just a bit of a bitch isn't it whereas if you're starting on the front row you have yeah it's a much better opportunity yes you get to control more of the start whereas when you're second row like in Zevon 
there was two crashes on the first two corners and you have to kind of weave your way through that and you're yeah. instantly at a disadvantage. So I was in about 15th by the third corner, whereas if you're able to start in the front row, generally the first eight avoid the crashes, yeah. basically. But, 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 how cool is that though? Helen Wyman, that means that when you were second in Bergenze in, in Denmark... And then second in Zaven, you know, Sana Kant is always starting on the front row, right? And she's got a super fast start. Yeah. That must make you feel confidence. I'd feel confidence if I were you. Well, yeah, it does. It definitely does. And I led um, Coxider as well, which was a pretty cool one as well. So, yeah, from second row, you can actually get to the front. It's much easier if you, you have, like, first pick on your choice. Mm-hmm. So if you're the first three, you normally can get an outside place if you want an outside place. And that gives you a bit more opportunity to move around, to whip around riders quicker. Mm-hmm. But I think it does give you confidence. I mean, ultimately, Mariana got second to Hancock Worlds one year when she started last. <laughs> so, yes. you know, it is, yeah. it is more about the rest of the race. But in a super fast race or a race where the first corner is really important, yeah. then at that point, yeah, front row is, is really, really necessary. But the hardest thing for me was that I'd spent eight years on the front row. I'd never been off the front row in eight years. And then suddenly I was third row in my first World Cup back in January last year. And it was just like, I have no idea what to do. I don't know what it feels like to start back here. I don't know how yeah. do the people move ahead of me. Like, what happens when you get to the corner? Like, what's the carnage? It's like, there was so much carnage and they fight so hard back there. Whereas if you're in the first five or six on the first few corners, people don't fight you so hard because they respect who's there. But if you're in like 20th and you're a really good rider that you know should be in five to six, you have to fight really hard to get up there. And it's like, it's a different world. It's a completely different world. <laughs> Yeah, no one's kind of looking at you and going, oh, yeah, that's Helen Wyman, that's Pauline Fran Prevost, that's, that's Mariana Voss. I'll be gentle and let them pass because, you know, they're not really going to be fighting me for 16th place. <laughs> they're, they're still going to be elbows out and stopping you. Mariana, they let through every time. Oh, it's really? like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other riders, they don't, they don't they, yeah, they're just so, like, nope, I'm having my 15th place. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'll wait till it's straight and just die and then come past you. You'll be fine. <laughs> I'll remember this. <laughs> You've been recording your season through a series of really hilarious and awesome and charming videos. How, how's that going? Is that fun? Yeah, it's quite cool. It kind of a new concept. They're good little videos and they get a lot of love. The sponsors really like the fact that it's like, it's more than just a photo, you know? Yeah. And so we always write race reports in the past, but, a race report can be a bit dull. It can be a bit like, yeah, I, I raced my bike at the weekend kind of yeah. thing. And most people know the results anyway. And so we wanted to do something a bit different, more personal and just more interactive, really. And so, yeah, we've been doing the videos. And at first, it's like, I've got to, when I have a bad day, I've got to try and like talk about this <laughs> in front of all these people watch. It's like, however many thousand view it. And it's like, okay <laughs> i've got to be honest but but a lot of people responded just as well to the ones where i've had the bad days as they have the good days because it's kind of like oh you know i showed my kid your video because they had a bad day at the race and oh. they really appreciated the fact that you know you could be honest and say you did things wrong or you weren't up to it this time or you know you've got stuff to work on they said it's a good 
learning for the, the kid to teach them that you can't win every time and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. That's something I didn't think would happen. I didn't know that would happen. And so that's a good bonus from them. Yeah. But also I think it's kind of common sense, isn't it? In a way that like, if you're just Santa Kant and, oh, look, yeah, I was third that week and I was second that week and I won and then I won and then I won and then I won you're less likely to come back next time. But if you've been watching a rider being really, I I say this about this road, I mean, Chloe Hosking in, I think it was the Tour of Qatar, where Wiggle showed the team being just devastated that it had fucked up and then it fucks up the next day and then it fucks up the next day. And then on the final day, she won! You know, that's that's a really interesting story. And the fact that you have videos where you're being open about, you know, Koppenberg to me means more because you've been open about the bad days like I care yeah. more I care more about your Koppenberg win yeah it makes it easier to relate to you and it makes me want to cheer for you in ways that like if everything was looking like it was coming on a plate I'd be just like less Ugh. yeah that's true and also some of the videos have some cool things in like we've tried putting Harry and Ratty in in occasions to see if people notice and <laughs> we uh you know there's one where Ronnie's shouting is you're the best don't forget that and this is your day come on and stuff like that so like they've had interesting other stuff and a little bit of what goes on and a little bit of so cut the travel days and like that so it's not just all bike racing yeah there's other stuff as well yeah. there's a bike review as well and there's some more stuff coming so the guy we work with modesta works is the guy that does the videos for us and he's really really good at taking all of the the stuff that we give him to provide him with and Mm -hmm. mixing it together to make a really good little video and and i think the concept of them being less than a minute so that you can watch them on instagram is actually probably the yeah the one thing that really works as well yeah you said about people don't read race reports i mean partly that's because if you've watched the race live like four years ago yeah five years ago you'd read a race report because you'd want to know what had happened well now you've watched it live yeah, and hopefully we've heard you talk afterwards in excellent Dutch, <laughs> in, yeah, in the, terrible Dutch. In, or, or talk afterwards in the interview, and we know what you've said, or we can see your Insta, or you can see your Twitter. I think for me, the thing about the videos is it's you as a rider adapting to the change in technology. You were one of the early adopters of Twitter, which was fantastic, and your website was always yeah. amazing. And it's a really fascinating thing to me to watch your social media presence evolve and take the opportunities of new technology, but also kind of respond to, we don't need in-depth race reports about races we're watching live or watching on our actual TV boxes. That's true. That is true. And I think it works for me because I have always been quite a contactable person. Mm -hmm. So like... I'll talk to anyone basically and so (laughs) I think it kind of works for me in that way because people expect and know that I will talk to anybody so it's much more personal I really liked when Sana Van Passen in her last season used to do these videos and races but hers were like four or five minutes and I just found that a little bit too long but they were always really interesting and she was a much friendlier person as well much more approachable and like the other day yesterday I was training in France and Rennes-Ban and uh I was out coming on my way home and I met this guy and he had a Peterborough jersey on Peterborough Cycling Club. <laughs> so I started chatting to him and he's like, oh, you're Helen. I was like, yeah. He said, we've spoken on Twitter. We've interacted. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then chatting to him. And so basically I'll talk to anyone. And I think that's the concept of the video. Even though at times when you've had a bad day, it's harder. 
I think it's still the concept of the videos that like, yeah, this is me. This is what I'm like. Yeah. This is my racing and this is this is what it's like to be in my world. Oh God, you, you so deserve an amazing sponsor because that's so, it's like gold. And you've always, <laughs> and you've always, you know, I bought a Kona bike, you know, because of you and Kona. They don't know what they're missing. They're uh, Anyway, I hope. I think they do. The thing is, over the last eight years, I mean, there aren't very many people in the world of cycling that can say, They've been supported by one team for eight years, the same team, the same sponsor, the same yeah. people. And they really have supported me and they've helped me grow to as successful as I have been. It's all been with them and they've supported me in everything that I've wanted to do. I've been able to do it all and I can't say thank you enough to what they have done. I'm disappointed because it's not renewed contract, but at the same time, I understand economics so they have put in eight years worth of sponsorship and, and wages and all those things to me that it's hard to feel bad about it <laughs> yeah 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 and we talked about all the things that you've achieved for the sport and the Kona yeah. Kona by sponsoring you have supported that too so yeah, yeah. so here's to a great 2018 What's next for you? What are your goals this season? Is it okay to ask you that question? Or um, I have four goals for the season. And one of them was to win Koppenberg. Yeah. One of them was to be guaranteed second row at Worlds. Yeah. So I've done them. And I can't tell you the other team. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a World Cup win and a Worlds medal. Does that sound good? Yeah, I'd take them. It could be gold, them for sure. it could be bronze, yeah. it could be silver, it could be world's medal. People can find you. Where Where do you live? On the internet? I live in Twitter world on CX Helen mm-hmm. and Instagram on CX and Facebook, Helen Wyman. I have a fan page. My website is helenwyman.com. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. And on a personal level, thank you so much for being the first rider who ever spoke to me on Twitter and who gave me so much thank you for being the first person i interviewed thank you for being your awesome self and i can't wait to cheer for you for the rest of the season well everybody remembers their first sarah (laughs) what a way to end (laughs) oh thank you